All right, welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast. I'm Chad Brendel, joined as always by David Simone as we uh, roll through football season. Cincinnati, unfortunately, at a disappointing two wins and five losses. Combined record of their the combined record of the opponents in those five losses twenty six and three. That's uh, that's a rough schedule through seven games for a first year head coach. But the beat goes on. The Bearcats return home. It's homecoming, and they take on the SMU Mustangs this week. An SMU team with a very high powered offense, Dave. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the theme in the. 2017 season and kind of the theme in the American Conference outside of a few teams. Uh, there's not many places to hide from uh, prolific offenses. SMU has some quality skill position players. I think, you know, I'm not sure how great their defense is, comparatively speaking, to some of the teams UC's played this year, but you know, it's another case where they're going to need to figure out a way to get off to a better start, and they're going to need to figure out a way to score some points. Well, let's touch on that before we, we take a, a deeper look at SMU. Luke Fickle this week uh, naming Hayden Moore once again his starter. I know some people are um, upset with that. I completely agree with it personally. Uh, I don't think – if you're trying to make a push – down the stretch to, to win some games and get bowl eligible and and get some positive momentum going into 2018, I don't think you make a quarterback change right now. Maybe I'm crazy. I know I see it differently than most see it because I see it this way. But you've after seven weeks, you've at least got to the point where Hayden Moore has had some good performances um, against a USF defense that's that's very, very good, not so much. But still, I don't think you throw away that time that you've built up with him um, just to see what you've got with Ross Trail at this point. Now, you know, if you're sitting at 2-7, two 2-8, and seven, two and eight, sure, see what you've got for Ross Trail through the end of the season. But, but right now, I don't see that as a smart avenue to take in this if you're, if you're still looking to get bowl eligible and still having, you know, some, some intentions of getting the season turned around. And I agree with that. I I think now that I mean SMU is still pretty good, but I don't think they're near Navy, Michigan, Central Florida, and South Florida. So, like you said, if you're trying to make a push here and win it, you know, say four out of your last five games and go to a bowl game, I'm not sure how making a quarterback change, uh, you know, increases your odds necessarily. And I also think that. I don't really, you know, the, making the quarterback change is the easy thing to say. Um, the backup quarterback's always the most popular. Hey, let's see what he can do. It can't be any worse. Well, it can be worse, for one. That, that everyone just assumes that, that the backups are who, at whatever position or the young guys or the new guys are always better. That's not the case. It could be worse. And two – even though they've been losing and it hasn't really been close and the offense hasn't been good, I don't think you can really point to Hayden Moore's performance and say he is the reason for this. We need to try something else. The offensive line 
is blocking well, we're able to run the ball, but he can't connect with his receivers or he's turning the ball over a ton. Like I don't like I don't look at what's gone on the last say three weeks and say if we made a quarterback change, all of the offensive problems would be alleviated. I concur. Uh, I think that's 100% the case. I mean, I just don't see, you know, the el- I mean, the element the trail gives you is a little bit more running game. But, I mean. I don't think he's near the the passer I don't that either. Hayden is. I don't either. And, I'm, and we're going to say things, you know, you're going to say things when you're two and five and you can't score. And we don't mean to say it in a disrespectful way. I mean, I have nothing. I've never even talked to the kid. I have nothing against him. I have nothing against any of these guys. They're college athletes. But, like, they still struggle to run the ball. The interior of the offensive line, I think it has become crystal clear playing these last few weeks is a major issue. That's not changing if you put a different quarterback in. Like, they still won't be able to run the ball up the middle. They, you know, they still... I want to talk about that, too, kind of. But, so, like, like, you make a quarterback change, the receivers aren't faster all of a sudden and able to get more open than they've gotten open so far this season. Maybe they can get open because they're playing worse defensive backs, but that, again, has nothing to do with the quarterback. So... I just don't see, like, the goal still, no matter what the situation is, I think for coaches, because you never want to give the sense to any of your players that you've given up on the season. Whether it's your seniors, because then that's a bad look just in and of itself, and then your younger guys are like, well, if we're not winning when I'm a senior, what you know, what's going to happen or, you know, so you play the, like, I guess maybe, I don't know if this is a understood philosophy by everyone. I doubt it is, but like, I just look at it as you play the players that you think in that week give you the best chance to win. And I don't think that at this point that, that Ross trail gives the offense a better chance to win than Hayden Moore. I agree. Um, I, I'm I'm 100% in lockstep with you on that. I think you ride these next couple weeks out. You you see where you're at. If you feel like after that, you're you're not you know if, if making a bowl game is not you know in in play anymore. Um, maybe you try something then. I just don't think now, when the schedule finally starts to let up a little bit, you say, all right, kid, thanks for uh, getting us through the meat grinder. We appreciate it. Tap him on the head and toss him aside. I don't. Right. I mean, and I agree with you. It, I think everything rides on. I think everything kind of rides on these next two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't beat SMU and what at Tulane is that? Or it's a bye week, yeah. and then at Tulane. So if you lose those two games, then yeah, I'm totally in agreement. Like, you know, hey guys, sorry it didn't work out. We have, you know, at that point, at that point, you're two and seven. You may as well figure out what you got. And I'm not saying burn red shirts, but play play Ross, play all the receivers that you can play. Put 
play all the offensive linemen you can play. Play the freshman DBs that have played special teams. Like at that point, yeah. Well, there's what's what's the point at that point? But I don't think like we said, I don't think right now is the time to just all of a sudden make a change like that. When not only has he, you know, not been taking first team reps, he's only been practicing at all for like the last three weeks. Right. So it just it doesn't make sense to me. I know. You know, people are angry, but I think it's much, some people I should say, I think it's just a much deeper discussion than just saying they're losing the offenses and scoring put in a different quarterback. Because like we said, all the other issues the offense is having don't necessarily improve just by changing the quarterback. Let's talk about running back. Let's talk about running backs. You had... uh... Jared Dokes and, uh, and and Mike Warren again. Uh, they got six rushes each. Uh, one went for 57 yards. The other went for 37 yards. Um, for the offense that they're running, I don't – Mike Boone clearly is not a, uh, a great fit. I, I love Mike Boone. I, I think I'm ready to see more of those two guys in this offense get more touches because they've been more efficient when they have. And I'm not saying you bench Boone, but I'd like to see the split be maybe a little heavier weighted to getting Dokes and Warren touches because I think when those two have been on the field and and run the ball, this offense has been more effective. They've been able to move the ball. They've been able to move the chains. I don't think we've seen as much of the three and out issue um, when those two carry the ball. I mean – Again, this isn't anything against Mike Boone. It's just what my eyes have told me. And when those two are on the field, I, I think they're difference makers at running back. And Mike, unfortunately, hasn't been able to, you know, really string together uh, a series of good performances um, where you say, you know what, I understand that, that you're giving those two guys spot, you know, spot carries. Uh, I'd like to see them get more carries. I I agree, and, you know, we don't have all the data or anything, but just from watching the games, for some reason to me, it just seems like the plays that Mike Boone does carry the ball, he's, like, averaging, like, .7 yards a carry. I feel like they run him between the guards, which is not something that I think he is designed to do. Right. I I I want to say the USF game twice, they had second and one or second and two, and neither and they neither time did they get the first down. And at least three of the four plays, I think, were run plays with him, like right up the middle. And so I, I don't know if it's him as a player, if it's just the luck of the draw of the play calls that they call, running plays they call when he's in the game. But yes, you are right. It's impossible. I mean, it's, it's not even looking at the stats, like, just watch the games. You know, the Dokes and Warren are, are have been better running backs. And, and I almost, like, kind of feel like this is a little bit like the Bengals the first two weeks when it felt like 
sixth grade football, like you get a series and now you get a series and then you get a series. It's like, then they made the coordinator change and it's like, oh, Joe Mixon's the best running back. Yeah, he's going to get the majority of the carry. Because, you know, I feel I feel like the rotation right now is is just too evenly distributed. And maybe you maybe you try to put Mike in the slot a little bit more, get him on movement, get him like get him going a little bit when you get him the ball. Like I don't know, quick toss sweeps or cause I, it's not working with him going up the middle. And we can get into other reasons why, but. You know, I think that that's definitely something that needs to be kind of addressed going forward. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even mind seeing, you know, Boone in there with one of the other two. And then you can put Boone in motion and you can use him in different ways out of the backfield. And you, and you still have that threat to run the ball up the middle effectively with a Dokes or with a Mike Warren. I, I mean, uh, be creative with it. I, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not drawing up the game plans, but no. um, it's just, I, I don't know. I, from watching those two run, I'd just like to see them more. Um, oh, and I, I agree. And, you know, it's, they're, they're breaking the longer runs. It's not like they're drawing up, like, fancy gimmicky type run plays for them. I mean, I think they're all pretty standard in the playbook run plays. Those two guys are just having more success. I think they're better between the tackle runners. Oh, that, I don't think there's really any argument there. So if you're going to run between the tackles, do it with those two. I don't know. Just an observation, I guess. It um, is. It is. Back to SMU. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm at a loss, Dave. I... I think we saw some improvement from the defense last week, but I also, I think it's something we talked about on this podcast last week. S, or, uh, USF was a better fit against the Cincinnati defense because they ran the ball a lot. Right. And I think the Cincinnati defense is, is good against the run. This SMU offense is pass happy. They like to go over the yeah, top. Yeah, I mean, they, I think, you know, I would – Venture to guess that was the least amount of rushing yards USF had this season. They were a, a, um, over a hundred, right at a hundred below the rushing average. Hundred yards a game. I below think the, the I think the longest run they had all game was sixteen yards. Um. So yeah, it it probably did fit what they were doing, or you know, fit more into UC. And you know, we saw it in the first half. Like if you take out one of the most insane plays I've ever seen. All things said, it's 16 to three at halftime against that offense. Right. Like, you know, you're, you're, I don't even know if I would say that you're in it, but I mean, that's a stop, a score, and then you are in it. And then it's like, then a fluke thing can can get you a win. Yeah. Once you once you throw a twenty five yard seam route on a hail mary play, and it's returned for a touchdown, then then that kind of goes out the window. <laughs> but 
Yeah, SMU, you know, they're, I think, what, knowing Chad Morris, their quarterback's going to run some. Cortland Sutton is a freak wide receiver for them. And then they have, I don't know the kid's name, but I think they have another receiver who's actually statistically having a better season than Sutton is. Like, I think he's in the top three wide receivers in the league for, I think, yards per game. Yeah, I'm just kind of messing with their rushing, their their offensive statistics now. Um, Trey Quinn is the guy you're talking about. Yeah. Um, 54 catches for 587 yards already on the season, averaging 97.83 yards per game, five receiving touchdowns. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think that I think that's good for at least it was a week or so ago. Good for second or third with him and Anthony Miller from Memphis and a kid from ECU, I think, was third. So I think Quinn was second. Sutton's more of their – he's got seven touchdowns on only 31 catches. He's kind of the – Yeah, he's just a freak. Like, he's a a Calvin Johnson-looking dude. So, yeah, they're going to have their hands full. They're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, They're going to have to – I'm not entirely sure, you know, again, we're just analyzing, commentating. Not entirely sure why on some of the pass plays against South Florida, it seemed like the defensive backs were on St. Pete Beach. Um, You know, it's like third and 12, and Devin Pierce is like 20 yards down the field. Yeah, I I didn't quite grasp that one. I'm with so, you. I mean, I guess it's like keep everything in front of you, but I mean, on a third and 12th play, play don't, like, try not to let him complete, complete it for a first down. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, is SMU, you know, is good, whether UC's defense plays good or not, SMU's going to score. Can UC score? Can they figure out a way to not be down right away in the game? And can they figure out a way to, like, put some sustained drives together and score touchdowns? Because in conference play, outside of Navy, that hasn't been the case. So, you know, and even throwing the Marshall game in there in in between some conference games. Um, You know, it's kind of the same thing we saw last year, honestly, but... I mean, I don't think it's to the same degree. I think the teams they're playing this year are way better than who they, you know, had their whatever 10-quarter or more scoreless streak against. So, but it's about figuring out a way to get some points. Now, you, you talk about this SMU defense. They've given up 436 yards a game. That's not, that's not good. That's, that's not good. They've given up 25 touchdowns, um, 303 yards a game in the air, 133 yards a game on the ground. So uh, that's pretty good against the run number. That's a in decent, college yeah, football. It's, I think it's a decent against the run would be su- I think people would be surprised in college football, like what teams, even taking out the navies and the air forces of the world, like like what teams average running the ball in college football. Is pretty pretty high, so that's a I think that's a pretty good number. But obviously, it's skewed 
if you're giving up over 300 yards a game passing, a lot of teams probably aren't running the ball. Well, that and they've had a lead in some games where teams haven't really been able to run the football. Right, they need to throw to catch up or whatever. So they're, they're giving up 31 points a game. Right. So if the Cincinnati offense is going to perform, this very much is a game you would like to see them perform in. Um, they've only intercepted six passes or six interceptions. Yeah. Let's see. Almost dead even in time of possession. That's a, How about, to me, that's a goof, goofy number in college. Yeah, I agree because teams can score so fast. But, it, I mean, they, they're they not a run. I mean, they're averaging 500 yards a game offensively, 300 in the air, 200 on the ground, basically. Yeah. So they do run the balls. So, I mean, they the run game is still a fairly important part of their offense. Um, yeah. They're not like Central Florida where when you look at Central Florida, they score in four plays every drive. No. Um, so, they're not a team that gets to the quarterback much. They've only had 10 sacks for 57 yards. Um, wow, opponents are 13 of 15 in the red zone. 12 of those 13 scores in the red zone against this SMU defense have been touchdowns. Well, that bodes well if the UC offense can get to the red zone. You would think. <laughs> You would think. Um, I know it seems like people are a bit down on them after the Houston loss, but um, this is a team that, you know, they hung with TCU. Um, they didn't play well against Houston. Their, their schedule's not that impressive. And Stephen no. F. Austin, North Texas, Arkansas State are the other non-con games outside of TCU, and then UConn and Houston uh, since then. And the UConn win, as you would expect, pretty comfortable, 49-28. They gave up 28 points to UConn's offense. I have to question you if you give up 21 points or 28 points to UConn's yeah. offense. Um, and then they lost 35-22 to at Houston uh, two weeks ago. But, again, another team coming off a bye. Yeah. Which, Four in uh, a row. Yeah. No, last week, or UCF wasn't, right? UCF, uh, no, played, that's right. UCF, UCF played, played Memphis, Memphis the week before. Played Memphis, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and on your thing on the quarterback, uh, he does not run. He doesn't? No. Okay. He's only, and I'm guessing most of these are sacks, only 16 attempts. And what we say, they had 10 sacks? Uh, no, I think you said they that their defense, that defense has produced... Yeah. 10 sacks. Um, I just figured with Chet Morris's offense that that would be an element of it. But Yeah, I, I was just looking at their the list of the running backs. I couldn't find their quarterback's name, and he was he's below the team stats. Oh, okay. So the, the team stats have done more than Ben Hicks in their rushing offense. Now they do have a, a kid, Xavier Jones, 76 carries, 483 yards, 6.1 yards a carry. So that's pretty good. <clears throat> and then um, Kaman Freeman, who's only got 38 carries, but 287 yards, 7.3 yards a carry. So they got a couple guys that can that can hurt you. Tote the rock. Braden West, 7.3 yards a carry. 
Yeah, they got three guys that they they rotate in and out of there. Jones being the uh, the guy that gets the bulk of it. And that's talking SMU. All right. You got anything else on them? No, I don't. What do you want to talk about now? Now what do we do? Uh, should we talk about uh, American Athletic Conference Media Day? We can talk about that. Have at it. I'll let you set the table. Uh, whoever voted for the first team doesn't watch basketball. That's my take. Well, I, I will argue the problem with, like, you know, all conference preseason teams or whatever – they are going to skew to, like, the, the point total numbers. I would guess the five guys that are on the first team are going to be the five leading scorers probably in the conference. But to not have Gary Clark on the first team is absurd. Well, here's my counter to that, and I understand what you're saying, and this is what we talked about last week. Were they going to have a five-man first team that was your traditional lineup, or were they going to have the five – quote-unquote, best players. And they clearly went five, quote-unquote, best players because it's four point guards and... A scoring combo. uh, Yeah, exactly. So, if that's the case, if you're taking the five best players, there's 0.0% chance that any of the 12 coaches would not... If they were... If they got to pick a team in the league to make five guys out of it to be their team, they would not have Gary Clark on it. I agree. That's, I mean, that's my, not, not that it's like a beef or I'm angry, but that's just where I laughed because when you didn't go point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, then there's really no excuse for him not to be on the first team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% believe Gary Clark should be on the first team. I'm not arguing with you at that. I'm just stating it was pretty clear what they used as their criteria. Right. Now, it would have been really oh, funny. Yeah. It, it would have been really funny if all five guys, all five Bearcats were the second team. That would have cracked me up. Well, seeing that the second team doesn't doesn't really have – a point guard because they're all on the first team. Right. If the second team had a point guard, would they be better than the first team? Who all? It was Jake, Gary, Ta- it was Taco, Kyle, Taco, Taco, Kyle, Gary, Jake, and um, crap. Now I can't even remember. I'm trying to go Let's through see. my screen. Was it? It wasn't McDuffie, was it? No. Um, this is bad radio. <laughs> this is bad radio. Bad internet radio. That we're doing this. Are you looking it up? I'm trying to get there. Yes. It's not going well. Not yet. <laughs> Uh, Junior E2, who's... Who's 50 years old. 30 years old, easily. 
Easily. So you basically have a team of all bigs and all centers, littles. Center, three power forwards. And Jake. And a shooting guard. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. Um, I think I'd probably still take the first team because the second team. Well, they would just speed them, speed in yeah. quickness. And the, sec- yeah. and the second team doesn't score nearly as well as the first team, even though the the, the no. first team couldn't get to the rim because Taco would be there waiting. Who is the most egregious first team selection, Rob Gray or Jalen Adams? Jalen Adams. I agree. I don't. I do not. I do not see what some see in his game. And I don't like Rob Gray's game either. Like we've talked about, I think he's a really good player. I don't want him on my team, if that makes sense. Yeah. um... But I just don't, I don't see, like, what is Jalen Adams other than volume? Right. I'm with you. Now, were you surprised that Shake Milton was the uh, preseason player of the year over, and I know his name is Landry. I just call him Larry. Larry Shamit. Larry. Larry Shamit. I know. Um, I, I'm aware that his name is Landry, but for some reason he's Larry in my brain, and I'm I'm just not changing it. I'm not willing to change it. I'm going to call him Larry all year. Actually, I'm 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 not, and I actually kind of agree with it. I don't. Maybe this is the wrong thinking. I don't know if you can, out of principle, just give some like he's not. Shamit's not like head and shoulders like. It's not like a Tim and a bunch of scrubs. Right. So to just give him that award, or re- award, it's not an award, recognition, without, without ever playing any of these teams seems a little extreme to me. So I'm That's I'm fair. totally fine with, with Shake being the, the player of the year. Now, do you think Shake over B.J. Taylor? Because B.J. Taylor was my preseason pick for who I think will be postseason conference player of the year? Um, that one's close. I guess I would still I would still go with Shake. I'm a B.J. Taylor he's more, guy. He's, he's more proven. His, he's, his team's better. Are uh, they? Or has been better. I think, he, I think UCF is better this year. Yeah. But he's proven he can play for two years now. I mean, B.J. Taylor was pretty damn good last year. Oh, he was. I'm not saying he wasn't. But I think that's, that's uh, you know, razor thin there. They were probably close, I would guess. Yeah. I wonder what the votes look like on that. So, Cincinnati do we first. think Cincinnati picked first? We both thought that that was going to happen. Although, if you look at the vote distribution, there's quite a few people that didn't have them first or second. Well, those people are done. I'm just, I'm curious as to, like, are there people out there that think SMU or or UCF are going to be better than the Cincinnati team this year? Or, Or what, UConn? Come on. Uh, well, I mean, there's people out there that think UConn's the top five team in the conference because that's where they were picked, and those people must smoke a lot of peyote. 
Have you ever done peyote? I haven't. Mm. I haven't done that before. I, I did it in my 20s when I was in Amsterdam. <laughs> we, I think I got offered mescaline once and asked how long I would be high for, and I was told 16 hours, yeah. and I passed. Because <laughs> I, I had to drive home from Bonnaroo in Tennessee the next day. So I was like, you know, next year I'm all in. On like a Friday or Saturday night, but no, no, no. no. So. We, we, uh, we were staying in downtown Amsterdam. If you've ever been to Amsterdam, you know that the Anne Frank house is like two and a half miles uh, from downtown. And we just walked there and back, like floating. It was, uh, the Indians are uh, ahead of their time on that one. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about the day. Like literally I woke up the day after and it was like that day never happened. Like right. we literally had a day of the trip that just didn't exist. But, you know, that could explain a lot to people wonder wondering why I am like I am. Amsterdam. Of course. That, that entire eight day trip cost me a lot of brain cells, my friend. A lot of brain cells. I was I was disappointed that they did not get out a Fran Dunphy uh coach preseason coach of the year award. Because it would have gone to Fran Dunphy. Well, of course, because, I mean, he's got Josh Brown back now, so everything's fine, and they're going to be awesome because he's Fran Dunphy. I'm not really in on their hype. Not either. I mean, I think Josh Brown's really good, and I think he makes them a lot better. I'm not a big Quentin Rose guy. It's going to help them that he's off the ball some a lot more this year than he was last year. But I'm not real big on him. Um, I do. I, I'm a big fan of Shiz. Yeah. Because that was one of the greatest moments I've ever had in AAU basketball. When uh, I asked his coach to speak to him, and uh, LeVan, his first name, I think, LeVan Alston. Yeah, something like that. LeVan. Yeah, LeVan. LeVan. I said, Coach, can I talk to uh, LeVan Alston, please, after a game? And he was halfway across the gym, and the coach just leaned up and went, shiz! And I was like, shiz? Yes! You're like, did he just say shit? <laughs> no, I heard what he said. I was like, dude, like that's, <laughs> that's, what he, that's legit what he goes by? I love this kid already. Uh, but I, I'm not an OB Echinionia guy. I'm not big on no. him. Um, I, I don't know. And I, I just... Their problem has been, defensively, they've been terrible the last couple of years. On and on. I mean, they're, they're, and they're very, like, they've gone very three-heavy. Yeah. The last couple of years, too. I mean, even they're, I mean, they're almost playing a five-out offense. Because Mark Williams last year wasn't really an inside guy. The only real inside guy they have is Ernest Black, whatever. Because, I mean, yeah, Obi just... Obi floats around anymore too, so they're really just a a three and you know chase rebound type team anymore. Yeah, and that doesn't that's know. not going to work against UC, SMU, and UCF defensively. Yeah, or Wichita State now too. I mean, you've got four really really good defensive teams at the top of this conference. So, I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know where to like where to where to prioritize Temple, Houston, and UConn. Right. Someone they're finishing five through seven more than likely. I just really don't have any idea how that is going to shake out. Yeah, I'm with you because I, I just don't really. I'm not a big fan of any of them. Any of the I three. Think, I think if all of them play to their max, there's no crazy injuries, anything like that. I think UConn's the best of the three. In terms of talent, yeah. But, that I mean, again, that doesn't necessarily – I don't know how they're going to – I don't know how their offense is going to run with Jalen Adams and Altreet Gilbert and Christian Vitale. It's like, a shame we Vitale, didn't get the five – the five point guard lineup that I know. Vital will play off the ball. I mean he's not a real point guard, but he's still like what, six foot, six one, so your shooting guard is a midget. Yeah. Like, and then I mean, small forward. Who's the, I mean, you're gonna have to play those three guys together and none of them are big. Yeah. And so and then, you know, Jalen Adams is really more of a two. I mean, Gilbert's gonna play the one, but he's Yeah. He's kind of like Adams, though, in that he's like a ball-dominant guy. And none of them are really exceptional shooters. No. So I don't know. We'll get we'll get Kevin Ollie magic, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And they don't have any size. Well, they got a really fun non-conference schedule this year, too. So they, are, they could be in the shit before we get to January. Again... Your mom's going to be mad at you. You dropped another S-bomb. Oh, well. She'll get over it. <laughs> uh, anything else from AAC Media Day you want to touch on? Uh, just briefly, for those that didn't see it, Nick threw some great shade uh, at the rest of whoever voted for the first team when in his little one-on-one interview or whatever with the uh, – AAC digital media people said something to the effect of people that know basketball know Gary Clark is good. Implying that the people that don't know basketball voted on the first team. Right. Love it. So I thought that was funny. Let's let's have a little bit of fun here with the back end of this. Should we take some questions? So earlier today I put out on the Twitter and on the board – you know, unfortunately, the football season isn't going as any of us had hoped, and I'm sure people aren't, you know, tuning in for our analysis of another, you know, poor performance. So we, I asked, you know, ask us anything. Could be UC-related, could be uh, about food, music, whatever. So we got a few responses. So uh, let's start with, question from the board what is the best microbrewery in town that's a tough call and i i'm gonna say that you that kentucky can count as in town okay um i think the one that i like their beer the most traditionally has been rivertown rivertown i like rivertown's beer I have I have been a big fan of just about everything I've tried from Rivertown. And they, uh, make my, they make my wife's favorite beer. 
Okay, well, that's a good blue- enough reason to like them. Um, the blueberry. I, I, as far as the establishment goes, new, new uh, Mad Tree is pretty damn nice. Okay. And having Catch a Fire Pizza inside of it doesn't hurt. See, I don't get to uh, to make it out to many of them because I have a kid and she's only right. seven. Uh, let's see. If I think uh, I like Fifty West a lot. Okay. I like the, I like their beers. They also have fantastic uh, pretzels and beer cheese there. I'm a big pretzels and beer cheese guy. They're like. My wife and I went there just to, like, we went to dinner, and then we're like, oh, let's just go there and grab a beer. And we were like, okay, let's try this. And we just ordered, like, those. And we're like, holy cow, these are awesome. Like, you know, some of the best, like, bar food ever. Um, You got anything else? Those would probably be my tops. Um, I like... I like certain beers from Rheingeist. I'm, I, I don't I'm know not a if, huge Rheingeist guy. Yeah, I'm Here's not my really problem. either. Like, I like their streaker. That only it's like a rye pale ale that only comes out like for a few months in the summer, towards the end of the summer. But other than that, I'm not a huge, um, a huge uh, Rheingeist guy. Uh, we, our know company what? actually last week went to Mad Tree and they had a Happy Amber Nitro that was delicious. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something that that probably won't make me popular. What's that? I'm not an IPA guy. I'm not either. I, I don't like that citrus taste at the back end of my beer. Yeah, I'm I'm not either. So that a lot of them focus the, their big thing is the IPAs. Yep. I'm, I'm not big on IPAs. We'll get the second part of the question. We'll go back to, to sports for a minute. Yeah. Any of the current first-year offensive linemen uh, on the field next season besides Jakari Robinson? I think Jakari Robinson will be your starter at center next year. Uh, Blake I agree. Yeager, Blake Yeager has been taking second-team reps at tackle all season. So I would expect maybe a Blake Yeager-Kyle Trout combo at tackle next year. Yep, I can, I can see that. Um, I'm looking at the... I actually have the offensive line roster pulled up. Blake Yeager will actually only be a junior next year too, even though he's only a, even though he was a, a junior Juno. college player. Okay. But he had three years because he had to redshirt. Right. So you will have redshirt freshman more than likely Jukari Robinson at center, then Blake Yeager at. One of the tackles, I'm going to assume. Uh, I think you might see Morgan James, who will be a junior. He's been a guard. At one of the guard spots. Um, Keith Miner will probably be at the other guard spot. He'll be a senior. And then it's kind of, you know, and then probably Trout at the other tackle. If I'm guessing in, you know, mid-October, you know, a, 10 months from now, the, those would be my guesses. So you'd only have, we'd have two seniors, Trout and Minor, and then you'd have a redshirt freshman, a junior, 
in a junior. In a junior. I don't. He might see... be able to get a little bit of stability there, especially inside. Yeah, none of the other. I'm trying. None of the other freshmen who are redshirting this year, or any of the incoming freshmen. Uh, the only thing that might change that is if they did bring in a junior college lineman um, and they, you know, performed well, then that could possibly change things. But that would, I think that's a, not a safe bet, but I think if you're looking at it, that's that's where you're probably looking. I could see maybe, um, you know, I would hope that at this point next year that Tyler McGar or Zach Dzinski would be Bazinski's possibly made- in the Bazinski. running for one of those guard spots. Yeah, Bazinski has made some progress since he's been moved to guard. Um, I like him a lot there. Um, I thought he had some troubles with shotgun snaps when he was at center. I like him a lot at guard. I think he's physical. Um, he's tough. I think it's. I think it was a good move for him yeah. because I don't I think, think anybody's supplanting Ja'Kari Robinson at center for the next four years. And I think him and, and Morgan James could be a, an interesting battle at guard yeah. next year. Um, have we thought about having a BCJ meeting hangout spot before events or even on random nights? Uh, Berg is working on something there. Oh, okay. Um, Good to hear. Berg is working on something there. Maybe a podcast sponsorship. Oh, and even better. place for us to meet up, maybe uh, watch some away games. It's tough for Do me they because... Serve- do they serve alcoholic beverages? Yes, it's a it's a it's a it's an establishment that is uh, not open yet, but they are in the process of. Oh. It it would be a new place. Fancy. And they might advertise with us. So. Um, that would be fantastic. If that comes about, we'll let you know. If not, um, we're always open to. If you guys want to, you know, organize something, um, schedule allowing, I, I, I'll show up. I have no problem. Yeah, well, I will. I will too. Um, boy, Shane, Shane just loves punishment. I mean, like, I didn't even, I wasn't even going to say anything. Like, he just, lo- no, I'm going to say something because the kid loves gonna, punishment. I was just going to ignore him because, like, he's, th- his response right here just showed everybody what we deal with on a regular basis. Absolutely. It's a, it's a question for members, Shane, not for you, not for staff. But I'll answer. I'll answer your question. The cookie monster gif or the eyeball emojis when a commitment is coming. It's not even close. It's not even close. Everybody loves – who doesn't love the cookie monster? Everybody loves the cookie monster. 2015. Yeah, that's like keeping it 100. And it's very, very like, 14-year-old-ish. Well, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and then the second, the second part. Why does Shane put up with Chad? Why does Chad put up with Shane? No, that's what no, I, it is a good question. Why does Shane put up with Chad? I don't know. Maybe he should just go away. <laughs> You're gonna hurt his feelings, Dave. That's okay. What actually is gonna hurt his feelings is when he opens up that check that you accidentally sent him. Yeah, I, I kind of sent each guy. <laughs> I sent you guys the wrong checks this week. That's uh. That's that's that was an error on my part. That was uh, E Chad. Uh, I'll take the L on that one. But uh, Bearcat Shane O nine asked a good question that, that actually you and I have talked about, kind of in a roundabout way. He said, 
How important do you think it is for UC to start showing some improvement in these last five games? You have to start somewhere, and I know rebuilding takes time, but if we don't see any improvement as the schedule softens, do you guys think that would be cause for concern? And I do. I do, too. Because, because no matter – we all know how it works, you know, it in college football. No matter how excited we are about the recruiting and how, you know, they're they're still getting commits, even though they're struggling right now, at some point you can't throw a two and ten season out there and expect – other teams to not use that to come after the better players that you have. So they do need to start showing improvement and winning games because, you know, as much as you can say, Oh, we need you because look, we're not any good and you can come in and you can have a chance to win. The flip side of that is the stuff that we've all made fun of Kentucky for is, you know, oh yeah, come play in the SEC where you'll go four and eight every year. And then for how many years did they kept saying we're going to be the class? Turn it around. Well, right. until this year, that's never happened. So you don't want coaches going to them and going, you got this. You see, it's still three to four years away. You're not going to win while you're there, even if you go there and you're, you know, you're great. At least come to our school where we'll win and you can play. No, I agree. I, I mean, look, you they can't look terrible against ECU, Temple, and UConn. No. They have to win those three games. Let's be real. Those teams, UC is not playing good this year. Those teams stink. Yep. There, There's absolutely no reason, especially with two of them being on the home, and probably the worst one of them is the one on the road at ECU. They should not lose any of those games. I concur. And if they look bad in those games, I'm concerned. Right. I would be too. I mean, this this was not a year zero. No matter how bad we thought last year was, and no matter how much blame whoever you want to blame, this year was not year zero. This was not Scott Frost's first year at UCF going 0-12. Right. Like, this is not Chuck Martin's first couple of years at Miami. There is talent on this team. They're not in the – I mean, the teams they're playing this year are probably better than maybe they expected. But this isn't the Big Ten or the Big 12. Like, it's not like a whole start over year. There needs to be some level of improvement that results in wins over the next five weeks or five games. I concur. Six weeks. I concur. I agree. I agree completely. Anything else? Uh, boxers or briefs? I'm a boxer brief guy, so I guess both. Yes, both. When I do laundry. I, I haven't done laundry in over a decade. Oh, here's here's some uh here's three three new ones that just popped up. Uh, let's see here. Why is Nick against Midnight Madness? Why does Larry Davis not age? And why is Jeff Goodman obsessed with Chris Mack? Would you like to answer any of any or all of those? Um, I mean, one, Mick feels like a Midnight Madness event uh, takes away a practice. 
and he's not big on that. I know that's a, a big reason. Um, he much prefers doing a, a, an open scrimmage um, because they're going to scrimmage anyway. And what I guess what people don't realize is you only get 20 practices before the season starts. So 30 days from your first game, you're allowed to start practice, and you get 20 practices to use in those 30 days. Mick is very much about practice. He is very much about teaching and using those uh, practice sessions to get better, and he doesn't like the Midnight Madness concept because it takes away one of those practices. Fair enough. You can agree with him. You can disagree with him. You can like it. You can not like it. Um, it is what it is. Why does Larry Davis not age? Uh, the guy doesn't stop. I, I would say that's probably a part of it. He's constantly working. And I, I think when you immerse yourself in a situation like that, you hold off the aging process a little bit. I know it was similar with, with my grandpa. Um, he worked until he was like 72 and a half years old. And once he retired, he passed away in like 18 months. That, that, that's just some people, that's how they are. And the guy is relentless. And he's in better shape than probably anybody in the entire basketball program at <laughs> 59, 60 years old. He's the diesel. Got to love him. Why is Jeff Goodman obsessed with Mac? Um, a lot of it, and, and what, what people don't know, Goodman used to be a recruiting guy. When he when he started in the when he started his career, one of the big things for recruiting guys is being close to assistant coaches. <clears throat> a lot of times, you don't deal with head coaches very often. Uh, it's the assistants that are uh, doing the legwork on recruits. They're the ones that have the information. They're the ones generally, as we saw in the FBI investigation, they're the ones that are doing the quote unquote dirty work, whether it's dirty or clean. Um, you get the metaphor. Um, and I guess those two were, were became friends uh, at events and whatnot in the spring and summer when Mac was an assistant, and it's kind of carried over to now that Mac's a head coach. So there you go. It's not it's not the uh, glamorous answer that some people would like, but they were they've been friends for a long time, and that is uh, very clear. Uh, in their social media interactions, that they're friends. Yeah. When things happen at Xavier, if if Jeff Goodman is reporting it, it's not a surprise where he got the information from. I think that's it. I no, I don't think so. What's your uh, prediction for Saturday? Uh, let's. I'm going to go 38-31 SMU. I was thinking both teams in the 30s. Um, I'll just I'll, – I'll agree with you. <laughs> I'm just going to agree. Nice, nice cop out. <laughs> I, I was thinking seven points or so with the game in the 30s. That's what you hit on exactly. So, I mean, I, no, no point in uh, reinventing the wheel. I agree. The, uh, what's the over-under on homecoming beers on, I believe right now, it looks like a uh, glorious day. It does. Homecoming. Rayvon Bonner just decommitted from Bowling Green, and all the UC commits say that he needs to come to UC now. 
Okay. He's a tiny little fellow, though. I don't think they uh, have room for a third running back that's 5'5", 160 pounds. They do not. But that kid tore up the camp. He did. Saturday, partly cloudy, 76. Um... 10% 10% chance of rain during the day. I've been hitting the, I've been hitting the under 55. a lot. I don't know if we're just setting the number too high or I'm just not reaching my full potential. Well, it's, it's an earlier game, so I was going to set it a little bit lower this time because yeah. you maybe won't have the uh, available hours to, uh, to pre-game. Yeah, I mean, I, I would... Let's see. I'm going to go 7.5 this time. I think time. that's a fair line... So, uh, I think I would probably guess over on that one, but we shall see. Eight and a half was probably a better number, but I'm going to go seven and a half in order to give you an opportunity to hit the over. That's right. Well, I appreciate it. I'm I'm doing that one for you because you've had a couple disappointing performances, (laughs) sir. I don't know if I call them disappointing. I count on you. I, I don't drink on game day because I have to work. Your fault. I count on you. <coughs> the people at Bearcat Journal expect a certain quality <laughs> that I adhere to uphold, yeah. sir. Okay. Something like that. Right. Something like that. Um, all right. I think that's it. Sounds good. I'll see everybody on Saturday. All right. Bring your uh, comfortable clothes. Sounds like a comfortable day. The lows. At 55, so not uh, not quite as chilly as it's been the past couple days. Should be a nice, comfortable afternoon at Nippert Stadium. Hopefully the Bearcats can figure out a way to knock off SMU. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>